Hi, this is David Shoemaker, and I'd like to welcome you to the latest installment of Living Thelema. Now, this month's segment is going to cover asana and pranayama, two of the most fundamental yoga practices which are deeply ingrained in the training system of the AA and, and of course, other um, traditions around the world. Uh, asana is postures, as you probably know, and pranayama is breath control. Um, and when we say breath control in this context, there's an implicit understanding that we're also speaking of control of the subtle energies that are resonant in the breath and in the body. Uh, and as we'll see, working with the breath through pranayama is, um, among other things, a potent method of getting the kundalini energy moving in the body. And this is, of course, uh, integral to the progress through the, uh, the AA. Now, for both of these, for, for asana and pranayama, um, there really is no substitute for in-person supervision. Um, I'm going to do my best to give you some tips, and in fact, I'm going to post a video of pranayama um, on my livingthelema.com site so that you can see some of the techniques, but um, it really is a good idea, if at all possible, to uh, to be working directly with your teacher, not only um, having them advise you, but having them watch you and, and really get some hands-on uh, training. Now, if your personal teacher gives you different recommendations from, from mine, then of course you want to, as always, follow through with the system that you're actually in. Now, within the AA, the aspirant will likely be uh, experimenting with both asana and pranayama in the probationer grade. Um, it is vital to begin getting some uh, experimental time in with these practices at, at, at the earliest stages. Um, but there's no formal testing on these until uh, a good bit later, um, the grade of Zelator. And the way that's tested in Zelator is that for asana, you have to be able to sit completely still in your chosen posture for uh, a full hour. And... Um, for pranayama, you have to reach the second of four stages that are described in the Shiva Samhita, um, the second phase being uh, either called trembling of the body in the original, or Crowley sometimes um, refers to this as automatic rigidity that then gives way into this spasmodic trembling as he describes it. There are two core references in the Thelemic Corpus that you'll want to use for both these practices, and the first being Liber E, and we'll get something up on the blog for that, and Liberu vel Spiritus. Um, you'll also find a good bit of additional information in uh, Eight Lectures on Yoga by Crowley, of course. Now, for asana, again, the postures, um, the, the point within the AA system is not to require the aspirant to master dozens of uh, pretzel shapes for their own sake. Um, the point within AA is to find a posture, at least one posture, that will allow you to sit still long enough to ignore your body. Because until you can ignore your body, your mind will not be stilled, and until your mind is stilled, you will not be able to do the more advanced meditation practices that are 
required for advanced results in yoga, but also for the uh, passage through the various grade tasks of AA. Now, that said, it is a really good idea to experiment with the different postures given in Libra E and elsewhere. Um, put in considerable time with them. Experiment. Note the differences in the results you might achieve. You're definitely going to find some postures that are more uh, naturally suited to your body. And um, you, in contrast with what maybe some people advise, I really don't think you need to... Uh, to purposely choose one that's difficult. I think you can find one that is relatively uh, less painful to begin with. And um, no matter what posture you choose, you're going to have to push yourself through a good bit of discomfort and, 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 and spend a good bit of time practicing before you really start to get the results. So, you know, short of lying flat on the floor, which is the only one I probably would rule out <laughs> as a choice, um, for testing, um, you really are going to have to, uh, to put in some effort no matter what you choose. Um, but once you've arrived at one that you're relatively comfortable with, you, you keep practicing it, uh, on a daily basis, eventually, um, some stability will, will develop. This is, um, much more likely to occur after you've extended your practice sessions beyond the half hour mark or so. And with a good deal of regularity, um, five or six practice sessions a week, at least, um, until you get to that point, it's, uh, you know, you're not really going to feel that, uh, asana lock in, but you'll get to a point where it really does click. Um, I had a very vivid experience of this myself in, in my course of practice where on one day at one particular moment, all of a sudden, the posture I was using became mine and it really, um, it just locked in in a different way and it felt odd to not be sitting in it. That's one of the, the only ways I can think to explain it. You'll know what it is when you get there, but do realize that you're going to have to put in, uh, some practice, uh, at least past the 20 or 30 minute mark regularly before that's going to kick in. Again, the main point is to be able to forget about the body, um, so that it's not drawing your mind to it. Um, discomfort is inevitable, but you should stop if there's extreme pain, especially if the particular posture involves an, an area of existing injury or weakness. Um, and if so, that may not be the best posture for you. You know, if you have bad knees or ankles, then the dragon posture is, is likely not going to be your best choice and, and so on. Um, if you choose the, uh, God posture, one tip I would give you is to make sure that the chair height allows you to uh, have your legs more or less at a right angle so that your your upper legs are parallel to the floor, basically. And um, this will help you in a number of ways. It's uh, more stable for the legs and knees, and so you'll get less of the trembling in the knees as you're trying to hold them together. And it's um, less likely to cut off circulation just behind your, your knees, um, and uh, circulation is a good thing. So um, that's some, some beginning points on asana. Um, we had a question uh, a few weeks ago from uh, Chris Valenta via Facebook, and he asked if it is okay to swallow during asana, which I thought was an interesting question. Um, you'll recall that Crowley's um, 
somewhat humorous uh, description of the test for asana is uh, that a full saucer of water, when placed on the examinee's head, will not spill a drop for the course of an hour. Um, now, in practice, we have some other ways to test for that that don't involve uh, getting quite as soggy, but the, um, the, the point being that it is quite possible to breathe and swallow gently with essentially no motion uh, in the rest of the body. However, that said, um, once your asana locks in, I think you'll find, especially past the 20-minute mark or so, that the urge to swallow, even the, um, the awareness of the urge to swallow, will be uh, nearly absent, as will um, your tendency to be drawn mentally to itches and the desire to shift a body part or posture in some way. Um, that really does go away over time. So thanks for the question, Chris. And uh, that's going to serve as a reminder to everyone else to uh, be sure and send me any questions you have about uh, topics you'd like to hear about. Now, of course, one of the underlying principles behind doing uh, asana practice is, is not, not only the uh, stillness of the body, but the forging of the self-discipline necessary for later practices, including simply sitting down and committing to doing it for a certain amount of time and, and to keeping regular with it in terms of day-to-day practice, much like Crowley advises with meditation, um, where he says that it, it's far better to decide you're going to meditate for 20 minutes and to spend those 20 minutes in horrible distracted meditation than to have 19 minutes of great meditation and then stop a minute early. So push through, stick with it, keep the practice up, stay regular. Uh, Don't be frustrated if it, it takes a gradual, very gradual building of the amount of time you spend in the posture. And uh, you'll get to that place where it locks in, and that'll be a real milestone in your in your progress. And after that, it'll go much more quickly and much more easily for most people. So now let's move on to uh, talking more about pranayama, breath control. Now, there are um, two core instructions here. As I mentioned, Liber E is the basic instruction in pranayama, and when you achieve some mastery of Libra E, you will see that um, there's a place where you kind of plug in Libra Ru uh, when it mentions getting more advanced practices in Libra E. So um, the advanced practices, uh, many of them are in Libra Ru, but um, there is so much good writing, uh, so much good information on the theory and practice of pranayama in Libra Ru that I would strongly suggest you read both of these, Libra E and Libra Ru, carefully before you begin practice, even with the, the most basic practices in Libra E, because it, it really does set the set the foundation well for all the practices. Now, consult your doctor if you have any medical condition that affects the lungs or if you have any doubts at all um, for any reason about the safety of your use of these techniques. These practices really are not generally dangerous unless they're performed improperly. Um, And the main way that they're performed improperly is by straining too much. And we're going to go into more detail on that a little bit later. Now, there are a number of important benefits to be gained by practice of pranayama. Um, 
since you are dealing with the balancing of the energy channels in the body, the Ida and the Pingala, um, the, the energetic balancing results of pranayama practice are extremely important. There are general health benefits um, to good breathing itself and in a pretty basic way. Um, but more subtly, you're, you're cultivating an improved ability to tolerate, control, and direct magical force. Um, in this case, I'm speaking directly of the kundalini force, the life power which is uh, resident in, in each of us. And through pranayama practices, you will be um, forging a more um, stable and balanced energy system in your body such that you will be better able to direct these forces through magical ritual, through willed intention, um, in, in many, many different ways. Um, now, the benchmarks for pranayama results that Crowley describes and the Shiva Samhita describes um, are essentially physically discernible kundalini effects. Um, four stages uh, that are listed are um, the fine perspiration on the body, um, then a second stage composed of automatic rigidity, which um, gives way into a, a spasmodic trembling. The third phase has been um, somewhat humorously described as jumping about like a frog. And finally, the fourth phase is uh, traditionally seen as levitation. Now, I'll leave it to your experimentation to detect what these phases actually bring. And please don't get too hung up on these descriptions um, such that you uh, front load your experience too much with, with those expectations. The key point to keep in mind is that, like many practices in the AA corpus, success in pranayama is a means to an end and not an end in itself. Um, later practices such as SSS, the section called SSS from Liber HHH, intensify the work with Kundalini, and ultimately success in these practices converges with the devotional exercises, the ritual magic, advanced meditation, and other tools in the outer grades of AA to lead the aspirant right to the very threshold of the knowledge and conversation of the Holy Guardian Angels. So this is one important tool in the toolbox that... Um, is, as I said, a means to an end. And that end, as always, in the first order grades, is knowledge and conversation. So the practice begins, um, as described in Libra E, with um, timed in-breaths and out-breaths. Crowley gives some progressive levels of this, um, starting with uh, breathing in for 10 seconds, through one nostril, out for 20, through the other nostril, back in for 10, through that nostril, then back out for 20, through the first nostril. I arbitrarily always begin my practices with an in-breath through the left nostril, um, just as an easy way to mark where I'm starting and finishing. Um, the photo captions in... Liberu are easily misconstrued. Um, Crowley says there should be exertion, um, but it's very important to note that this is not straining. 
um, you'll if you would watch the video that I will post uh, of myself doing a few cycles of pranayama, you'll see that what we mean by exertion is that there is effort made to completely expel all the air from the lungs and to completely fill the lungs on the inhalation. But the process itself is fairly stilling and um, not necessarily silent, but it's not a noisy, um, raucous process, even though those pictures might make it look like uh, it is. Um, the point is smooth, regular breathing and fullness of in-breath and out-breath. You should never, ever be short of breath. You should not get to the near the end of, of an in-breath uh, or out-breath and feel like you've got to hurry up so that you can take uh, a breath. If, if it's straining you that much, then you need to back down your times and stay at the lower time until you can really do it comfortably for a full hour. And only then should you move to the next level up in terms of the time. Now, the more advanced levels also include a uh, period of holding of the breath after the inhalation and before the exhalation. This is called kumbakam. And uh, this is one of those places where the um, sort of the, the psychological or uh, meditative aspects of the results of kundalini are most apparent because there is a stillness there uh, and a silence there that verges on some of the most advanced uh, meditation results. And again, I'll leave it to your experimentation to see what fills that space uh, in silence. But suffice it to say, it's uh, a very powerful uh, part of the process. Now, as you see in the um, sort of old and grainy photos in Libreu, um, the fingers, the thumb and uh, index and middle finger are used to pinch the nostrils shut. Um, and in the video that, that I'm putting up, I think you'll see a little more clearly how that's done. But basically, you're bracing your fingers on your forehead and then using the, the thumb and uh, the middle finger to pinch the different sides of the nose. Also in the Libreu illustrations, you'll see that Crowley is um, digging in the elbows into the chest in order to expel the air and really leaning back and pulling the head back and expanding the lungs during the inhalation. And this again is just a part of using all the body to really go for the fullness of in and out breaths. You'll want to time these very precisely, the in-breaths and out-breaths, of course. And I find the best method for this is uh, a ticking clock nearby so that you don't have to think about the pace of your counting uh, or a watch hand, anything that, that makes a noise. A metronome would work fine, too. The point is uh, you're going to be counting in your head, of course, silently, but um, you, you want an external point of reference on the timing. Um, and also, if you're just counting in your head, you're going to have a tendency to drift. And um, that defeats the purpose if you're trying to keep a consistent record of what you're doing if, you're, if your time is drifting all around. So use something uh, dependable. Now, uh, what you don't see written in these documents is what to do when you're done. And I think uh, one of the most striking results for many people with pranayama is 
when you first conclude the session, let's say you've done, you know, 20 or 30 minutes worth of cycles in one of your early practices and you get to the end. So you've had the last breath out through a single nostril. I suggest that you really savor that first breath in through both nostrils and the subsequent um, five or 10 minutes of just gentle, easy, natural breathing through both nostrils. This is uh, a real high in, in a lot of ways. And um, I think what's happening there is that having gone through the entire pranayama session, balancing those two channels um, one at a time, you know, in alternation, uh, you are now experiencing the effects of their conjoined action um, in an energized state. And there really is uh, an ecstatic quality to this that you can accentuate in this phase with some, some visualizations um, and more advanced practices. But mainly the reason I'm bringing this up is so that you can watch for that particular moment and, and a period of, of time after the conclusion of the formal practice. Uh, don't, uh, don't neglect that. Now, um, one of the most common problems to come up with pranayama, aside from the tendency to strain too much, is um, that you have clogged nostrils. And, uh, you know, this is not unusual for most people. Um, the traditional remedy for this would be the, uh, the neti pot with uh, salt water that's poured through the nostrils for cleansing. Um, of course, we have modern pharmaceuticals, uh, nasal sprays and things like that. Now, you really don't want to use these chronically, but if you have um, a period of just a, two or three days, you know, where you're more stuffy and uh, you really want to try to do pranayama, then it's okay to, to use some nasal sprays, but really don't get dependent, dependent on them. And when you don't want to try these other things, one additional technique is that you can use the hand that is not being used um, balanced on the forehead and, and pinching the nostrils to actually uh, reach out and hold open whichever nostril you're breathing through. Um, kind of a awkward thing to do, but uh, if you have to, um, there are some days where uh, this is just the thing and you can get through your practice that way. But, you know, if you're too sick, too stuffy, there are going to be days when you just can't do these practices and don't beat yourself up about that. Just get back to it when you can. So uh, I realize these are just basic recommendations, but hopefully uh, there'll be enough to get you started into some uh, some practice of asana and pranayama. And, uh, and even if you've been working with these things for some time, maybe um, these suggestions will help you uh, get into some renewed practice. Now, on the podcast blog, we're going to have links to resources as usual, including uh, my video that I mentioned earlier of uh, demonstrating pranayama, uh, Libra E, Libra Ru, eight lectures on yoga, and the Shiva Samhita. Um, so be sure and uh, take a look at those. Um, as always, uh, please visit livingthelema.com to uh, view the resources all in one place. Uh, also, if you want to learn more about me, there's a, a bio uh, up there on livingthelema.com. Also, please join us uh, on the Facebook page for Living Thelema for information and posts about the show and, and such. I hope you've enjoyed this, and uh, as always, please feel free to, uh, to write in with questions or comments. Um, I really do appreciate hearing from you. Thanks for listening, and I'll look forward to talking to you next time.